This is the University of Applied Research and Development's Emergency Response and Risk Management video and podcast. You'll meet world-class leading professionals who share their wisdom, careers, and experiences. Join us on YouTube and all quality podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, and Radio Public. Hi, this is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development. We are here with Quentin, who is a clinical pharmacist in Guernsey at the Princess Elizabeth Hospital. He was previously at Oxford Hospital, and he was there as the interim divisional lead pharmacist. So I'm delighted to have you here, Quentin. Good morning. Nice to meet you. You too. Hey, tell us about your role and what you do now. Well, currently, I'm principally involved in um, clinical medicine, which, which means that um, we go up to the wards and we, we check all the patients' profiles and we make sure that they're on the right medication. So we try and reduce the risk of them having any adverse effects. We, we check all their bloods and electrolytes, and we, we're quite fundamental in regards to medicines care, um, patient profiles, pharmaceutical an analysis. That's what I do now. And you've been there for, did you say, a few weeks? Yes, I've only been here for, for three weeks. Well, two weeks of which were quarantined, so that's it. Right, and you're quarantined on the island? Yes, I was, yes. Every, everyone who arrives on this island has to quarantine. Okay. So that's a process, is that similar throughout all of the United Kingdom or just for Guernsey? No, it's just this island because they have zero cases here. They're quite um, strict and quite, you know, quite, quite um, insistent on, on making sure that um, they, they avoid transfer of cases here. Okay. And are there other systems and procedures in your hospital which are similar to you having to be in quarantine when you got on the island? What sort of systems are, have been put in place due to COVID in the hospital? Um, in the hospital, we currently practice um, social distancing. Social distancing is one of the main fundamental um, ways which we can prevent COVID. The, the other thing is we, we don't actually allow any of our patients to come into, into the hospital. At the moment, we've reduced um, significantly the operations that take place, like surgical operations. Um, and we're doing a lot of um, tele appointments of, over video calls. Um, this, this hasn't only applied to this hospital. This currently is being rolled out to all the units in most of the UK. Okay. So isolation and then social distancing, uh, reducing services, and then doing yes. services in a different way with technology. Yes, that's right, yes. Does it work? It does work, yes. Um, I think part of the whole thing is, is, is prevention. Prevention obviously helps a lot. Um, and whilst I was in Oxford, one of the major factors that, that, that contributed to, to reducing the numbers of the spread was, was um, shutting down the hospital to, 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 to patients' relatives. Um, we also had a large student population in Oxford and a significant number of tourists. So as soon as social distancing was put into place and we had the lockdown, that reduced the numbers significantly of the inherent population. So the spread was contained um, in, in quite well in that respect. So you think the lockdown is an effective way to slow down the transmission? It is. 
It is, it is, it is quite effective, um, especially if people do maintain it. And by and large, the population have been very good in doing that. Um, in terms of our workplace, we, we, we ensured that all our workspaces are equally distant apart. We had to operate on split shift systems so that the staff don't mix all at one time. So we would have one lot of staff coming in the morning and then another lot of staff coming in the afternoon. Um, we also try to encourage as many people as possible to work from home. That was, that was quite, um, quite, quite crucial to this whole thing. Um, and we also practice the use of hand hygiene and um, the safe use of PPE. Um, th those, all, these, all these factors came together to, 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 to reduce um, the spread of, of the disease. Okay. So personal hygiene, work from home, split shifts, having people physically in different locations as well. There's quite, yes. a, lot, quite a lot of, uh, quite a number of strategies put in place with the hospital itself, I, I would have imagined that the hospital will be the place where everything is increased, ramped up in terms of services. Um, you see, the services, because COVID turned all the units into emergency centres, so we, we had to look at a way of, of just dealing with the crisis at hand. Um, so the, the issues like, you know, basic, basic appointments such as dermatology appointments or you know, the, these kind of things which were not urgent, they had to be put on hold because we had to redeploy all our staff. So redeployment of staff was another factor that came into this. Um, all our staff who were not on, on anything that was not important or, you know, anything which was of an emergency nature were, were then redeployed to all the, um, all the wards which did have COVID patients. Plus, we also converted normal wards into COVID wards. Yeah. Mm. How many patients with COVID at uh, Princess Elizabeth Hospital? No, here we don't have any. There aren't any patients here. Okay. Um, this, this, they've, they've affected it so well that, that, that there aren't any patients here. And I, it, this was the, the experience I'm talking about because it was driven largely by the patient population was in Oxford. Okay. Yeah. So in Guernsey, where there is no incidence of COVID, is life happening as usual inside the island? No, we, we still have a lockdown here. Um, it's split into different phases, and we're currently in phase three. Um, in phase four, we'll have a more gradual opening of shops and this kind of thing. But, but at the moment, we're still practicing social distancing. We're still washing our hands as frequently as we can. We're keeping our distance from each other. And we're also wearing masks. And when we see the patients, we're also practicing social distancing. Yeah, so it's all very, very much social distancing, the two meters rule, um, and, and that's it. Where the PPE, those, those are the crucial factors at the moment. Do you think it's necessary considering there's no incidence of COVID on the island? I think it is because as of yet, we've had just over three weeks where we haven't had any um, any cases, but then you see, it's, it's hard to know where the cases will come through because there has been talk of some patients being positive after three weeks. So, you know, and transmission still occurring. So I think being extra cautious is, is, is effective in this case. Okay. Okay. So what, um, can you tell us some of your experiences from the past that have prepared you for today? Some of your experiences, past, past roles you may have had in training. 
Right. For, um, well, you see, I've, I have been in a business for quite a long time. And I mean, this, this was unprecedented and challenging. But I think the closest that came to it was um, I worked as a civilian pharmacist with, with, the, with the Ministry of Defense for a while. So you, you get trained in situations like these to deal with emergencies at very short notice. And apart from that, psychologically, it prepares you to deal with emergencies on a different level compared to what you'd see in the civilian population, you see. So this, this COVID was, was, was very much well like that in that you know, we, we had to prepare for situations within minutes as, as, as it may have happened during the time you know, when, when this did take place. And th this was primarily because we had to change the wards from you know, normal wards to, to address the COVID situation. We had to do all these things. And apart from that, I think it was also a question of taking care of the staff and making sure that you work effectively as a team. These kind of things came, work quite well within, you know, within, within um, um, a military setting. And that's, there's, a, there's normally, we, we actually use the command structure. You see, command chain structure where we had to adopt certain ways of, of um, passing on information and communication. So communication was quite effective in regards to this response, this emergency response. And, you know, working out how effective each of your staff are in regards to teamwork. So all these things came through from previous experience to put together the plans that, that I had or, or, you know, set out in my head. Um, b before the actual crisis happened, we were planning on what to do anyway. So we were quite, we're trying to be as ahead of the game as we could be, bearing in mind we never experienced something like this. When you say you were preparing, do you mean when you started to hear about what was happening in Wuhan, you started to prepare, or prior to that, you were preparing for a range of different crises? Um, no, I think what had happened was when we started hearing things from Wuhan, we started having meetings to right. discuss what would happen, you know, how we would shift and allocate wards in case it, you know, it did become a disaster, what, what we could do in regards to prevention, um, and most of all, what, what we could do in regards to communication. Mm. Yeah, communication was the backbone of this. Right. Fascinating. Fascinating. It really is. And so what sort of career advice would you give to some of our graduates or, looking, or those that are looking into getting experience in disaster response, emergency response, preparedness? What are some experiences that you would suggest people could benefit from? Okay. Um, I think one of the most important things is, is to be prepared you see. Now, in, in, in any situation, I think one of the ways in which you can become prepared is by learning as much as you can about what's going to happen. Okay, now, in some situations, obviously, you can't be prepared for what's going to happen because there are disasters and emergencies. But at least, if as, a, if, if as students, if you're, if you're aware of some of the processes that take place and how effective they have been you see, in regards to, to, to disaster response, like you could probably study what has happened previously and how certain countries have dealt with things you know, and how you can if effectively learn from that, work as a team. I think teamwork is very important, you see. Learning, learn, learn the psychology of, 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 of team management, learn how to work with people effectively and learn how to communicate. All these things are, are, are quite, quite important. Yeah, that's really good. Teamwork, communication, looking at case studies and being personally prepared oneself. I think that's really yes. great. 
I think there's a bit of um, psychology in regards to what you think may happen in case of a disaster because what, what people saw in, in regards to some of the outcomes for some of the patients as well, pe people need to be psychologically prepared for that sort of, sort of thing. Mm. So an awareness of what could happen is, is something that you could look at, especially as students, because I think as students, you won't see necessarily what happened out there, you see, mm. in regards to disasters or emergencies. Mm. You don't want to go in there and see something and then, you know, get psychologically affected. I think that's quite important. How do you do that? How do you prepare yourself? There are, there are a few videos. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure what goes on over there where you are, but we, we have different kinds of counseling services. Uh -huh. and we have, you know, information that we have some videos and this type of thing, which prepared people to, sh you know, what, what, what your expectations are and, and most importantly, managing your expectations as well. Yeah. There's, there's, there is a very good support network and I think that's quite crucial as part of this whole thing. To, to be there for each other and to have some form of fallback in case anyone doesn't feel, you know, supported when this emergency does arise. Because you, at any point in time, you want to make sure that your team is, is, is fully competent and capable of practicing under difficult situations. Mm. Yeah, so they need, they need support and you, you, need a, you need a way of finding out that everyone in the team is happy. So... I've spoken to a number of people who first learned about emergency response or disaster response um, by working in the Red Cross. And yeah. they, they had said what you said, that the counselling services and support for those people in the field themselves as they're dealing with these types of situations is important so they can continue to function and return home as normal as they can be after seeing some quite, quite horrific circumstances. Yes. I think what, what I did with my teams is, is I split them so, because I couldn't obviously manage the whole team effectively. So I split them and I, I, I um, designated certain leads in my teams. And, uh, and we would go, you see, I would go down to them and they'd go down to the staff and we'd go back up like as a chain of command and I would find out how everyone was through this, through this communication means, you see. You know, I'd find out exactly where the staff were and how they'd performed during the day and if there are any issues that need addressing because the key behind this is is addressing issues regarding your staff because if you take care of your staff then obviously they'll be able to work more effectively as a team mm. that's really good quentin really want to thank you for your time today and sharing your wisdom i know you're very busy and you're in a new role so i really want to thank you for making time for our students to learn from your experience you know um, th thank you for having me it's been good you're very welcome